Hi, good evening and welcome to Resistance TV. My name's Sean Blaw and I'll be hosting this Host, uh, Lizzie Fletcher from Unity News. The date is 20th of July 2022, it's 7 pm and we're live. So if you want to join us in the live chat, please do so and you can ask your questions live to our guests. So tonight we're going to be discussing the Ford report that was published today. Um, I've spent all afternoon trying to read through it as quickly as I can, but it is a rather long report. Um, so we're going to get reactions from Phil Bevin, who is a former Lotto officer. Uh, he worked alongside Jeremy Corbyn in the Lotto's office. Um, and we're also hopefully going to be getting Mark Wadsworth and Chris Williamson later on, as said, he will try and pop in. Um, so can we bring in Lizzie and Phil, please? Hi, um, evening hi. all. Hope you well. Welcome, Phil. Um, I'll just kick off um, the show really by asking you, um, have you managed to read the Ford report, first of all, and what are your initial reactions to it? Um, I've not read it all the way through. I've read, um, I've read bits of it. Um, so, yeah, um, it's my, my, my initial reaction to it, I guess, was... Um, it's a little bit sick, it's a little bit like a punch to the gut because it was some of the, um, hang on a second, okay whilst you're sorting that out I'll just go to Lizzie, Lizzie what's your initial reaction to the Ford report? Ah, well, the thing is, you see, that we all knew what was happening, we knew the truth of the matter uh, in 2017, we began to realise the truth of the matter. By 2019, we had ample evidence for, for, for it being the truth. So why did it take three, four, three years, four years almost, to, to bring out this report? Why is everybody echoing? Somebody got another screen on somewhere? Uh, only got the Am one I echoing now? Yeah, you are, yeah. Only very slightly my end, Lizzie. You can hardly notice. Right, what do the audience think? Have A we got an echo, echo? from the audience bad tell echo. us whether we've got an echo? Mark, <laughs> Kevin, have we got an echo? Oh, Kevin said bad echo. Yeah. Okay, well, well, we'll try and sort that out. Let me see if I can plug my headphones in, see if they work. They weren't working earlier. Yes, it's it's improved now, hasn't it, Kevin? Yeah, uh, it's like right. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. We can hear you. Um, yeah. There wasn't an echo at all with you. How about you, Phil? Uh, yeah, that's all fine as far as... Uh, I'm concerned, so that's good. <laughs> oh, okay. It was obviously my fault. I've got my headphones on now, so yeah, we're cool. Okay, so Phil, um, Lizzie's just give us her reaction to the Ford report. What's your initial reaction? Um, yeah, it was. I felt a bit sick when I first saw it because um, a, a lot of this stuff I've been saying to people um, in private for for a very long time. Um, even while I was in Lotto, I was kind of saying that this. Because uh, I started in 2018, summer 2018, so it's when um, the IHRA stuff really kicked off. Um, and what what was, was your position in Lotto? I was very, very, very junior. I was only uh, like an admin assistant, and you know, 
um, I made the tea for a bit and did a really bad job of making coffee. Um, <laughs> so I, I wasn't an important person. Um, uh, but one of my frustrations is, is that, you know, myself and a few others could, could see what was coming down the line. Um, I, I honestly, I think that probably Jeremy could see it too, but there was quite a large operation um, to try and, you know, make sure that the IHRA definition was adopted, um, mainly because I, I think, you know, that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's there are various different factions on the left, which I wasn't really aware of now, but you've got people like the AWL that are relatively imperialist and, you know, they have, they have representation within momentum and all sorts of stuff. Um, but there's also, you know, the NEC at the end of the day um, just wouldn't, just wouldn't back Jeremy's position. Um, and so even though he kind of resisted uh, a bit, it became a, a confidence issue, I think. At least this is my interpretation of it. I wasn't in any of the high-level uh, meetings, but um, th he you'll probably be aware that um, at the end of the summer, um, I can't remember exactly when it was, there was a big NEC meeting about it. Uh, and Jeremy, up to that point, had been trying to make sure that the right to defend Palestinian rights was protected, um, and so he, you know, initially it was trying to make sure that not all of the examples were adopted, because obviously um, one of those examples included criticism as, of Israel as potentially kind of anti-Semitic. Um, and so eventually it came down to Jeremy reading out a statement um, about the, the need to defend the right to criticise Israel over Palestinian human rights abuses. And um, he couldn't get that through. He didn't push it to a vote because he didn't have the backing of the NEC. Um, and I think in terms of, you guys have been talking about 2017, which is a bit before my time on this, because like I said, I started working in, in Lotto in 2018. Um, but it was, it was clear from that moment onwards that the ability to resist what then became quite a, an aggressive witch hunt, a smear campaign and a witch hunt, um, it just wasn't going to be possible because if you haven't got, then um, this is supposed to be a left NEC. You know, I think it was left, nominally left, but not really left. Um, and again, you've got the divisions of the various different factions on the left of Labour. And in my interpretation, it's that Jeremy didn't actually have a majority for his personal kind of internationalism on the NEC. And that is really what scuppered it on this issue is because if you haven't got a majority on the NEC, NEC, you've got um, the HQ and the compliance unit is accountable directly to the NEC, not, not to uh, the leader of the Labour Party. Um, and you've got an NEC that effectively decided to adopt the, the narrative of the rights on, you know, the, on the, the idea that there is a, um, a disproportionate and specific problem of anti-Semitism within Labour, which isn't true. But it was the left, it was the left NEC you know, after the right really kind of threw it open as an issue, it's the left NEC that chose um, to adopt that narrative and to enforce that narrative in their disciplinary procedures. And then it went, you know, it went as far as, as you will be aware of, of some um, summary suspension for anyone even accused of um, anti-Semitism. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, my, my own case, I... Um... 
I was I, I wasn't suspended uh, whilst mm. under investigation, um, and then I wasn't expelled or anything after it had concluded. That you know it was absolutely fine, um, but I ended up leaving the Labour Party. I terminated my membership because I was personally my my data and my information was personally doxxed by one of the Labour Party HQ senior GLU staff. Mm -hmm. um so um so I, I i didn't get expelled i just left um but um we're talking about these factions and within the report i was having a look at some of these factions that they were talking about because they do talk a lot about factionalism and that being the problem within the labor party um but the factions that they are holding up as a light to um conclude their summary and what actions should be taken from the Ford report are the likes of Labour to Win, Labour Together and the Jewish Labour Movement. Now, they were three factions that, in my opinion, I don't know if Lizzie, you or Lizzie agree, were responsible for what happened. Um, what's your opinion yeah, about that? They created the situation, and yeah. sorry to interrupt you, Phil, if she would, Sean was just going to go to you. But um, for, for me, the Jewish labour movement, the thing about the Jewish labour movement is that you don't have to be Jewish to join it. You don't have to be labour to join it. So therefore, how many members of the Jewish labour movement are not Jewish and not labour? Whereas the Jewish voice for labour is you have to be Jewish and you have to be Labour. So, and yet they don't get a mention in this Absolutely. report. Absolutely. Uh, not, not one mention. Um, yeah, I, I think specifically with regards to the JLM, um, at least the report does criticise their, their so-called training um, quite a bit, which I, I think is, is at least is good. But I don't think, you know, I've got loads of problems with the report um, in terms of its framing. Um, I actually also have uh, some significant issues with the uh, the original leaked report as well in terms of its framing, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a bit. But um, yeah, I think with regards to JLM, the, the issue with JLM is, is that it is a very, it's not particularly kind of open organisation in some senses because yes, okay, you know, you don't necessarily have to be Jewish to join. It's explicitly pro-Israel. And so, you know, if you're, Jewish and you are a, a member of um, the Jewish labor movement, then you know, you, it's, it's an explicitly pro-Israel organization. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's all right for people who support Israel. But then you're getting into this demarcation of, of legitimate and illegitimate Jewish identity, which, um, again, this is something that um, the uh, JVL has, has talked about quite a lot and done so um, very eloquently and very well. Um, so there is yeah there's a problem it's not only the um the the kind of the issues that sort of the, the kind of constitutional issues with, with jlm is it's also it's quite limited in terms of the, the jewish perspectives that it represents in and of itself so um, mm -hmm. not including jvl as well as that is is is, is bad it's, it's absolutely it, it claims to represent the jewish people within labor uh, yet mm. it doesn't represent the jewish people within itself yeah and mm. um, can i just welcome mark wadsworth hi mark Hello, welcome thanks for joining us tonight um we're just 
virtually just talking about our initial reactions to the Ford report. Um, I don't know if you've managed to read any of it yet. And, and just want to get your reaction uh, to it, Mark. What are your well, initial thoughts? Uh, it only dropped. It only dropped last night, so we haven't had uh, all of us a chance to read 138 pages. But I skim read it and yeah. read the um, introduction that sets out the case and the recommendations that run into uh, 10 pages. I mean, that just shows you how busted uh, these are. Recommendations about the Labour Party is disciplinary. Uh, procedures so that just demonstrates how busted the disciplinary procedures are i mean no right to appeal you know the star chamber will, members of the star chamber will be blushing at how undemocratic non-transparent and frankly um, awful labor's um, disciplinary procedures uh, are um, I was left hanging for almost two years, suspended. Um, I've served, I would have served by April next year, seven years. I mean, there are rapists and murderers that don't get banged up for as long as that. Yeah. And I don't stand any chance of getting back in with Starmer. Because all it is, is that you're no longer an expelled member but you have to apply to rejoin the Labour Party and you have to have the support of your local Labour Party. I mean, my local Labour Party, I won't give you the name. It's in South London and it has a right-wing Labour MP who's a hammer of the right. Um, and he has an iron grip on, on the party. I mean, their formal position at the moment is to support me. But if that were to be revisited, uh, I dread to think what uh, uh, iteration or adjudication I would uh, come to. So it's uh, manifestly uh, unfair, the, the setup. Uh, it's awful that they choose black people uh, to do their dirty work for them. First of all, uh, Shami Sakrabati, and now Martin Ford, although he did have a panel of people, including a former general secretary, um, advising him and as a part of the Ford uh, report uh, I agree with the initial uh, view about the report that it, it bends over backwards so much to be uh, two-sided um, <laughs> that it almost um, cancels itself out you know uh, there was factionalism well, we know there was factionalism in the yeah. headquarters with people who should have been serving the members actually working actively against us, having an uh, uh, election victory and um, uh, diverting funds under the guidance. Absolutely. Guide and the, they the seem to have adopted the tone that each side was as bad as each other. That, that's <laughs> the tone I sort of got from the beginning of it. And we were also discussing, Mark, that... There are some of the factions who have been able to get their information across to the Ford report in form of their own reports like Labour to Win, Labour Together, the Jewish Labour Movement. No other faction has been mentioned. Uh, I know the JVL submitted a report to the, to the Ford inquiry. It's not mentioned in the, re in the report. No, I mean, I was told by um, someone very senior in the inquiry some months ago 
uh, that it was going to be this sort of report that pleased neither side and that it wouldn't take up individual cases like Chris's, mine, Ken Livingston, Jackie Walker's, Tony Greenstein, you know, the egregious, awful miscarriages of justice. It doesn't it's make not me... Even, it's not even in its remit to look into the 45 grand that's gone missing from the 135 <laughs> that was diverted away from legitimate campaigns. Absolutely. But, you know, there are some nuggets in there. For instance, it accepts that uh, anti-Semitism was weaponized. I don't accept that it was weaponized by both sides. It was weaponized by Watson and the clique, the uh, saboteurs in head office. That's who, who weaponized it uh, with the connivance, well, um, uh, egged on by uh, the right wing in the parliamentary Labour Party, the West Streeting, the John Mann, the Ruth Smith. Um, Margaret Hodd, yeah, John Mann, doorstepping Ken Livingston with a camera crew on hand. These are the people that were working on behalf of the Conservative Party to destroy the Labour Party and its opportunity to get into government, which the workers of this country desperately uh, need. And that there's a hierarchy in the Labour Party of whose cases get taken up. You know, if you're a Zionist, uh, yeah, you're above anti-black racism, which is right in the party. Islamophobia, which is right in the party. It the does party. mention hierarchical racism in the report, mm. Mark, <clears throat> if you got that far. Absolutely. So there are some nuggets in there. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's accepting that there was factionalism and it didn't have a standard chance if you went to an NCC hearing, as I did, and I had it. Uh, uh, weighted against me with two out of three uh, panellists uh, led by uh, Maggie Kostin uh, mentioning Chris's excellent book. Um, uh, you know, she's a hammer of the right wing and a friend of Ruth Smith. She should never have been chairing that panel. Okay. And a former right wing Labour councillor. Uh, that wasn't a hearing, that was a kangaroo court where they'd already adjudicated and decided the outcome that I should be expelled because I was a part of uh, Jeremy Corbyn's uh, group of uh, supporters. So I think there are things in the report that are useful to us as the left, uh, same as there are in the Chakrabarti <laughs> report. And uh, I would conclude by saying all of the chief saboteurs, the Sam Matthews, the John Solidates, um, you know, people who have been rewarded with fat jobs in trade unions. Old now. Emily, is it Emily old now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they've all been rewarded. Yeah. They got big fat payoffs. Six yeah. figure payoffs from the party. And, and some of the staff did as well. Sam Matthews, who personally attacked me, he got apparently, allegedly, I should say, he got a six figure payout when Keir Starmer took over as leader. You know, yeah. members and, and, and the millions they've spent on pursuing and 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 you know persecuting us. Dan yeah. Hogan, who handled my uh, case, all the people that were used by John Ware, who has yeah. no right yeah. to call himself a journalist, he's no. a propagandist, on the John... Panorama program, and Paddy French being pursued as a result of that. So we and have John to. Man. That's right. John Mann being rewarded 
we have to name these people, call them out, name and shame them, but also name our heroes that have fought. People like Paddy French, uh, Sivier. Is it Michael? Mike Sivier. Mm. Yeah. Mike Sivier, yeah. You know, um, Chris yeah. Williamson, Jackie Walker, Ken Livingston. You know, we're Look at Ken Livingston today telling us about this afternoon, telling us about how he's lost everything. You know, mm. he's he's got a mortgage in his late seventies that he can't possibly pay. He's falling into debt. Meanwhile, John Mann, the the man who manipulated a camera crew to doorstep Ken Livingston on something that was actually fact, matter of fact, that Ken Livingstone said, and to to be rewarded by the Tories for that, and mm. Ken Livingston is destitute. That's right, Pam Bromley. You know, Ken and Pam are still fighting that uh, that legal case. Yeah, they are. Hopefully, Chris will be on in a bit, and he'll be able to tell us a little bit more about that. But um, moving is that um, we've got to call out uh, those in our own land who let us down and threw us under a bus. And I'm sorry, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonald were two of them. They thought that if they threw enough red meat to the enemy. They were warned. They I were warned by this and many others, though, weren't they? That it, it, they were never going to accept that. They'll just want more and more and more. You know, appeasement doesn't work, as we saw in the 30s with the Nazis. Uh, capitulation, apology. What were we apologizing for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what, what are people still defending themselves for? Pardon? People are still defending themselves. Look at Kate Linegar, who wasn't, uh, wasn't her campaign wasn't sabotaged until 2019, but it was utterly sabotaged. And then her career was sabotaged. Her life was sabotaged. So it's it's not just from 2017. It's not just from from you and Ken Livingston and Jackie Walker and Chris Williamson, it's still going on now. Look at Doina, Doina Cornell in Stroud. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people are still in position and they're still manipulating the entire Labour Party. And anyone who thinks that the Labour Party stands a chance of, of making any change, look at, look at our example. Mm. We, you know, I'm banned from applying to the Labour Party for five years because I might have brought the Labour Party into disrepute. They they didn't give me any evidence of me bringing the Labour Party into disrepute. They just said, we've decided that you might. So therefore, <laughs> we're banning you for five years. So, you know, if they can do that to, to a journalist who is, who is, was integral I wasn't integral, but I was there. I was at every at every conference, at every doing all the work for years. I was doing the work that made Independent Media Association what it is today. And you know, to be to be just destroyed like that. I mean, my case is nothing compared to any of the ways that you, Mark, have suffered, that you, Sean, have suffered, that many of my friends and, and colleagues have suffered. And I just find it absolutely atrocious that we have let them get away with this. And I am, 
and I know Sean Sean was saying earlier that she got angry when she first read the report. Did you get angry, Mark? Angry is not the word. Incandescent with rage. But at least it has shone a light into those dark crevices where those creatures that, that those creatures inhabited. And uh, that can't be taken away. You know, and we must use whatever we have now from the full report to demand justice. That those people are never allowed anywhere near any Labour Party position. And trade unions should reject them as well. Yeah. Because they are saboteurs, they are traitors. And that was a part of the case against me when I actually repeated what Hopper, you know, the president of the Durham Miners, David Hopper had called them traitors, hadn't he? Yeah. Remember when he disinvited them from the yeah. trailer? Yeah. You know, but, you know, that was used against me. You know, yeah. that I'm not allowed to call out people who actually hate the Labour Party in any socialist form and well um, and this is it you're not allowed to speak out about israel's apart apartheid state and we discussed this we voted on it at conference and it was decided that israel is apartheid yet that has disappeared absolutely disappeared how can that even happen can i say that was able to go to the high court uh, where i took the jewish chronicle uh, there for a very serious libel against me and won a big apology that still carried on their website in uh, uh, big type substantial damages uh, and they had to pay a lot of money in legal fees yeah. so a lot of people have seen that as a kind of vindication because it was based on the labor lie about me yeah. you know labor had facilitated that libel that hung me out to dry and it was open season uh, on my reputation, on my name, uh, which... Same, same here, Mark. Same yeah. here. Um, absolutely. But they know that we don't have the money to take them to court. Well, I don't anyway. So they just win because they've got more money. I ain't got any money. So that's it. Well, that was um, the reason why I had to give up the case against the party after three yeah. years. It cost yeah. me £30,000 of crowdfunded money from the public, from supporters. Well, I couldn't afford to put a note on the end of that and lose my house and my livelihood like Ken. And that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, it's in Chris's book. Yeah. Where he says, yeah. I asked Jenny Formby, will you agree not to pursue uh, costs against Mark Wasworth? And, the, and he puts in the book, they never got back to, to him. Yeah. So are those people, were they supporting us? As they told me, Amy Jackson said, we're working behind the scenes to help you. Is that evidence of their help? So they were happy to have bankrupted me. So I had to give in in the end. But I think that was that was their that was their modus operandi with everybody. They wanted to they wanted to finish everybody. You know, they wanted to finish Chris. They wanted to finish Jeremy. Um, they wanted to create so many lawsuits that people wouldn't be able to take them on. And we all know there's big funding behind um, the people who were doing this. No, but I'm talking about the left. I'm talking about yeah. Jenny Formby. Well, I'm yeah, the left should. A Amy Jackson. I'm talking about people, Carrie Murphy, who was supposed to be on our side and had the power to pull the lever 
and say, we won't pursue costs against Mark Wadsworth. In, in fact, I think it's in Chris's book where John McDonald says, uh, I hope he, he sues us. I hope he sues the Labour Party because we won't oppose him. Well, that's not what they did in practice. Yeah. No. Maybe you could ask Phil, um, Mark. Phil is a <coughs> former Lotto um, staff member. Um, so maybe Phil can throw a bit of bit more light on this for us uh, about the goings-on uh, during the leaked report, um, lawsuits. Well, like also that. be aware of what, what repercussions will come from this, Phil. Have you had any repercussions already? But what will become of you because you're speaking out? Uh, well, um, repercussions. I, I don't. I'm not really worried about that. I, I don't really want to have um, a You know, in, in the long term, I think my, certainly my career in in Labour Party politics is very much over and done with um, by my own kind of volition. There, I'm not. <laughs> I won't be upset if. If, if, you know, I don't get a job in the Labour Party or I don't get selected as a candidate for the Labour Party in the future, uh, I just, because oh, I'm not going back. Um, in, I can't shed any light, certainly on the legal side of it or on the higher level um, discussions, but a very minor staff member. Um, um, so I, I, what, what I can, you know, I... I did do so. I can talk about things in general terms, um, and and kind of my, sort of my understanding of the complaints process and and how the Labour Party structures work. Then I don't think they work the same way now under Starmer. Um, at least that's my impression, and and shed some light on why the complaints process operated as it did. Although you know it might be a bit boring, but it's it's technical. I think it is quite important actually to to understand that and how it works um to actually understand what happened um if you're up for that like i say it's not necessarily um <laughs> it's, it's not um sexy stuff but um yeah i mean so you have the division between the leader's office and the um and the and headquarters under the general secretary and the general secretary is responsible to the nec and i mentioned this a little bit before um so if if the nec um decides a certain course of action then that is what the headquarters on the um, compliance team, the complaints team, will pursue. Um, again, I'm not sure about your case, Mark, because it's a, it's a bit before my time. I started working in Lotto in 2018, um, and I, you know, I know Jeremy. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for Jeremy a bit here, actually, because I think um, he gets a bit of a raw deal um, because he did certainly with the IHRA thing. He did try to res resist. The, um, the adoption of that and all of its, all of its examples, and he was unsuccessful. And, and it became a, 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 at a point where it was, if, if he resisted too hard, he, he might have himself been deposed. So you're looking at um, basically the left wing of the Labour Party at that point, because it was a left wing NEC, chose uh, to adopt the right wing's framing of the situation and the right wing narrative and pursue it um, as if it was, you know, fact and true. And so all of the complaints then were handled according to this, this ideology that there was a um, kind of a disproportionate number of anti-Semites in the Labour Party. And what, so the, did you know the true figures? Did you know that it was 0.02 or 0.03% of one? Well, I, I knew when, when Jen, Jenny Formby represented it to the party. But yes, I mean, 
It's it's, it's a strange thing. Uh, we did we did know that it was a small, uh, a really <coughs> very small number. Um, so, but it uh, wasn't. Did, did you? It, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted okay. the answer to this question, if you've got it. And did you know that the majority of the complaints uh, about anti-Semitism, com complaining about individual members, what came from just one person, and? Uh, of those of the the number of people that did make complaints a certain a large percentage of them were not members of the labor party um personally i didn't have i didn't i didn't know that at the time but i did spend a small amount of time um helping get through the email backlog in the in the compliance unit in the complaints team um so from, from that, I saw the complaints coming in. I wasn't involved in any decision-making or anything like that, but I, I saw the complaints coming in. I saw the kinds of complaints that were in the inbox. And from that anecdotal kind of side of things, I, 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 it was, it was evident, self-evident, that the majority of cases were from a very, you know, to, to my mind then, a very small, you know, coming in from a very small group of individuals um, yeah. who were flagging these. And part of the process, which I think I thought was ridiculous at the time, and they did they did amend it as it went forward, but it, I still think it's ridiculous, was that there was no form on the website. There was no way of, of the, the, the complainant specifying whether this person was a Labour member. So we, um, in order to see if it was something that, that could be dealt with by the party, had to trawl through social media history, seeking to corroborate the accusation. And so there was already, uh, and we're, we're not making decisions, we were just flagging the cases up to that sort of the, the higher up officers who would, who would pursue it further. But there was already um, kind of an incentive to look for potential problems because we were trying to see where the complainant was coming from. Um, and also... Um, Rather than a person being innocent until proved guilty... Exactly, you, yeah. ...that you were told they were guilty and you had to look for the evidence to prove that. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, we weren't told that they were guilty, but we had to look for... for we had to go out of our way to find the evidence ourse ourselves, which, you know, yeah. often the evidence actually wasn't provided by the complaint. And so there was... A, I think there was a, a bias in the process at that point in time um, yeah. that... That, um, and I think, you know, the, the other thing is, is the issue was, and this really skewed things, was the sheer volume of the, of the complaints from a majority of which, from a very few individuals, um, which really hamstrung the process. And it did mean, and th this, is, this is the thing that really, you know, I said it was like a, a, a punch in the gut. And it was a punch in the gut because I was saying this at the time, and I want to get this, um, this point in is the point about the hierarchy of racism, yeah. which is, I said, because I, when I saw this, I actually flagged this, and I said, look, with all, the, with all this focus on anti-Semitism, there's a real risk, and I said, oh, you know, I'm quite polite. <laughs> I said, there's a real risk that we are, we are actually going to be um, not dealing with other um, forms of racism equally. You know, it's, it's going to be, and that is racist. That, that's, that it's racist. The, the other... Um, Point, the extension of this point um, I would make is it, it's not just that there was a hierarchy of racism, and I think Mark has touched on this a minute ago, it's not just that there was a hierarchy of racism in the process, it's that there was a bias as well against 
certain kinds of Jewish people with certain kinds of beliefs. So, you know, if, if somebody had said something that was anti-Zionist, again, like I said, the process was such that you'd then be looking, according to the IHRA definition, you'd then be looking for evidence that, that, that could construe that as anti-Semitic, because that's actually what the IHRA definition says. It says that um, it can be anti-Semitic to, um, to, to describe the state of Israel as a racist endeavor. So if you're following that guidance, you are already looking at critics of Israel as potentially people with anti-Semitic views. And, 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 and this is, again, I'm, I'm going on a bit, but this is, I guess, why I'm speaking out now. And I have, you know, out of respect for people, I have kept quiet, but I'm speaking out now because of the Ford report. But also the point that I want to emphasise, and another point that I made internally, is that because the, the framing of the situation from the, from the labour right, from organisations like JLM, um, uh, was that certain kinds of, of Jewish sort of opinion were more acceptable than others. I was saying that actually it's starting to, to look as if there is a problem with that, of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, but it's a problem that's being driven by the right. Yes. Um, again, I'm certain... sorry to interject, but I've got to go. Oh, um, okay. Oh. Um, well, let's, give, let's hear your, your closing comments then, Mark. Mm, what yes. would you like That's, to say? I think sure Chris was just about to join us then as well. well. someone waiting for me, and um, uh, this was quite impromptu, and that was an appointment made some time ago, and so I'm being a bit rude. In, um, That's okay. Have you got um, anything you'd like to say well, before just you to go, Thank Mark? you, comrades, for uh, providing me with this platform to talk about something that's been very painful uh, for the last, uh, well, coming up to seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, dictated my life. It's yeah. affected my family. It's affected my friends and people who care about me. Yeah. Uh, but I've been buoyed up by the huge amount of support around the country. I can't go anywhere without being stopped in the street and someone saying, you're Mark Wadsworth, aren't you? You're the guy that was done in by the Labour Party. I'm really sorry that this has happened. I've been in the party for 50 or 60 years and it's not in my name. And, uh, it, you know, this is not sort of lefties like us. It's just average Labour Party mm -hmm. members that are just appalled at the egregious way that a party that's supposed to be for social justice it's supposed to be for equality and human rights has acted uh, in this way. And I just say that we've got to continue to relentlessly fight back. And in the end, we will be vindicated by history. And I think it's fantastic that Chris has got a book out that's put there, The Political Lynching of Mark Wadsworth. Asa Winstanley has got a book coming out. There's going to be an Al Jazeera um, program towards the end of the year that's being made uh, you know journalism is the first draft of history um, and I was let down by fellow journalists who weren't acting as journalists they were work working as propagandists yeah and they took the spin and they didn't question it and I think that they are going to end up being shamed that they were so cowardly that they didn't stand up to the so-called orthodoxy that Labour had an anti-Semitism uh, problem, and, and, and I was a part of it. Uh, and so thank you for this platform, uh, and we've got to keep on going, and we will be vindicated by uh, history.
Well, thank you once again, Mark, and we all yes. love you very much. We, we send you lots of love and solidarity, and uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank, you. Thank, thank you for taking the time to come to us and talk, Pleasure. Mark. Thank you. Oh, well, so Phil. Chris is trying to join us, apparently, um, so hopefully he will be on in a minute when he can get okay, his camera cool. sorted out. Excellent. Um, yeah, just going back to the point I was making is that, you know, that, that it was looking at it, I, I was starting to think maybe there is an issue with anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and it's coming from the right because of the demarcation of um, acceptable and unacceptable Jewish opinion driven by organisations like JLM. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I fed this stuff back intern internally. But the, the problem really was is that you had a left-wing, nominally left-wing NEC, that accepted the framing of the right. Um, and so for, from that point of view, there was very, you know, that that, that will have skewed the decision-making process. It, it made, it basically inevitably led to a witch hunt. So um, I think I just wanted to echo uh, Mark's point from earlier that the, this isn't just a case of, um, it is the case of the right wing driving this, but it's a case of the complicity of certainly the liberal sort of uh, momentum wing of the Labour left, which really dominated the NEC at that time, the sort of landsman-like position. Um, it's, it's, they are complicit in it, <clears throat> and they facilitated it by introducing processes that um, allowed the rights purge to be carried out. And they actually carried out that purge on their behalf in the end. Um, and, and so it is, you had a, a left-wing uh, NEC, or nominally left-wing NEC, presiding over a, a complaints process, which um, Ford himself has basically indicated was racist. Um, and and I say, that was the thing that shocked me because I had raised concerns at the time. And to read that from, from Martin Ford QC was, was, you know, wow. You know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's vindication because it's, it's really depressing at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was trying to talk to somebody earlier about it, and I was I was saying, oh, it's lovely to talk to you, and actually, it's not lovely at all. You should never have been put in that situation. Mm, yeah. And we have Chris here now. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, we can loud and clear. Welcome. Thank um, you. My I... technology is still playing up. I'm afraid to say. Oh well, it's doing I'm well having tonight. To join you. I'm having to join you by telephone. And when I first went on, I was upside down. And so I had to put the phone on. <laughs> and I can't hear you very well. So I'm having to really strain. In fact, it's boiling hot here. And I've had to turn my fan off so I can hear you. But I've been trying to keep up with the show as best I can because I've been out and about. Um, and I agree with a lot of the, the remarks that's been they've been made. I mean, my initial reaction in terms of the report is it's a bit like the curate's egg. You know, it's good in, in parts. But what really annoyed me, I think, about it and you may have already touched on this, is the false equivalence that Ford has given to the victims of the witch hunt and the saboteurs who were the perpetrators of mm. it. And those saboteurs, of course, include the Zionist lobby, they include the, obviously the right wing of the Labour Party, and many of them are one and the same uh, thing, as it were. But one of the good things, I think, uh, from the report is that it's confirmed, I think, that, that anti-Semitism was uh, weaponized. Um, but I think for me, what it kind of just reinforces is that, you know, that Jeremy uh, took the issue too seriously. I mean, I think, um, I'm not sure if it was um, 
someone who said it earlier on the program or someone who said it elsewhere or whether it's even in the report but it suggested that you know that jeremy leadership did, you know did take anti-semitism seriously i mean for me i think they took it too seriously i mean they actually facilitated it the truth is that it was an infinitesimally tiny um issue in the labor party in reality and you speak to many jewish comrades who say that some of whom have been in the Labour Party for you know upwards of 50 years, so they've never experienced anti-Semitism inside the Labour Party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a handful, I mean, Graham Bash is one such example. He joined the Labour Party in 1968, I think he said it was, and he said he encountered one, one case of anti-Semitism um, in his time, and that was in 1970, 52 years ago from today. So clearly it wasn't a major issue. And the points, I mean, all the statistics that were produced by Jenny Formby, uh, you know, demonstrated that uh, it wasn't an issue. But, you know, Jeremy, the, you know, the soft left of the Labour Party, the socialist campaign group, as I say, they they facilitated the the uh, the issue. And I think it was things like, and I think Mark did touch on this, I think I did catch Mark saying this about, um, you know, the Chakrabarti review. I didn't hear everything what he was saying about that. But in my opinion, I think that was a mistake setting up the Chakrabarti review because that was pandering to the Zionist lobby. As it was, you yeah, know, sending in um, Baroness Royale into the Oxford University Labour Club. And even she, as a Zionist, couldn't find any evidence of, uh, of institutional anti-Semitism there. And a lot of people were, were, were badly smeared. And that could have had an impact on whether it has, I don't know, or not on their careers. But, it, you know, it was pretty grim stuff, actually. Um, although I, th I don't think that was in Jeremy's gift, actually. And Phil might be able to correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think that was a National Executive Committee a decision and you know jeremy you know didn't really didn't have the numbers really to carry the the mm. nbcc although i think one of the points that uh just perhaps in conclusion um before you come back in uh, phil maybe uh that, that i think i did catch phil saying is that uh, jeremy was in a vulnerable position on the national executive committee because he didn't have the numbers and there was a danger that he might have been deposed and that might be true but i think the mistake was in trying to you know capitulate to to appease those forces that were ranged against him and i think what he would have been better doing actually would have been to appeal over the heads of the national executive committee over the heads of the parliamentary labor party directly to the mass membership he had the numbers there and i think he could have carried the day even if that meant establishing a new political party but we never call that bluff just in the same way as when jeremy was eventually himself suspended as i predicted would happen um the support was not really forthcoming from the socialist campaign group such as it was it was mealy mouthed many of them didn't even sign that mealy mouth statement the uh, the threats were empty from the likes of len mccluskey um you know he said well you know he wasn't very happy about it etc well that's all very well you know talk is cheap what they should have been doing what the socialist campaign group should have been doing and what i've said at the time is they should have said, you either reinstate Jeremy or we're resigning en masse tomorrow. Yeah. Do that or we're going and we will sit as independents in the House and we will mount a challenge to you and we will appeal to the members. There's still a lot of people who support uh, Jeremy and that and that policy agenda, which is you know more important than just supporting an individual. Um, and what Len McCluskey uh, should have been saying is you either reinstate uh, Jeremy Corbyn or we will start the process of disaffiliate will not just defund you well not just cut the funding we will start the process of de de uh, disaffiliation yeah. but there's no there's nothing behind these 
you know, these uh, strong words, there's no substance to it. And, uh, and I think that, that, that was the real uh, problem. But I think one of the things that uh, I'd like, uh, Phil, if I, if I, if I may, uh, Lizzie and uh, Sean, um, ask Phil, uh, unless she's already covered this, my understanding is, and again, I'm not sure if this is, because is, I've only been able to skim read the, the report, but I, but I think Phil might be able to help us on this, that there were characters inside the totally dysfunctional and partisan uh, governance and legal unit, the disciplinary unit, um, that saw the Jewish voice for Labour as anti-Semitic. I mean, this is astonishing, you know, and just as one little caveat, one little anecdote, should I say, um, the socialist campaign group were very reluctant to meet with the JVL. I had to move heaven and earth to try and get a meeting between the socialist campaign group and the JVL at JVL's request. When they did eventually concede to a meeting without boring with all the details of it, only two of them turned up to it. And it wasn't a, in our regular weekly routine uh, meetings. It had to be a, a special meeting, which wasn't really an official socialist campaign group meeting. But I don't know if Phil could maybe enlighten us, unless you've already covered this in the programme. Don't think I have covered it, um, Chris. I mean, I just you, you you made a lot of really really interesting points there, and I just if I can remember, them, I want to come back to them because um, with regards to um, to Jeremy specifically, the uh, complaints process was was not within his remit, as I understand it. I don't know what dis discussions were no, no, that's right. had higher up, but um, it it was not something that he could control. Um, no. Constitutionally, and if he did, even if he, you know, even if he did want to get involved, he didn't have the numbers on the NEC to, to actually, because the NEC ultimately makes uh, decisions on on um, disciplinary action. He didn't have the numbers on that body to intervene successfully in individual cases, so he was stymied. Um, whether or not he could have, I, I think, in terms of going over the heads to the membership, quite possibly. I mean, but you have to remember at this point in time. And again, this is this is one of the reasons why I, I still respect Jeremy and, and probably always will respect him, is that he took the responsibility of trying to get into government and change the country seriously. Um, and that meant trying to make it work. And there are problems with that. And it caused and it caused a lot of, you know, there's a lot of wreckage along the road. Um, but he did on certain things, I know for a fact that he did push back quietly and where it was in his power to do so. Um, and we were told not to mention this at the time. I think I'm probably um, okay to mention it now. And, and my intentions are, you know, in, in defence of Jeremy, is that you talk about um, Jewish Voice for Labour, Chris. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think David Rosenberg is a, was a member. He's not a member of the Labour Party anymore, I don't think. Um, but, you know, we, we did touch upon the whole um, the JLM training stuff earlier. Um, but what Jeremy did, and this is, you know, this was relatively late on, and I don't, I don't know the... Um, the reasoning behind it. I don't know why he did it, but he organized um, for David Rosenberg um, to come and do a training session with staff on anti-Semitism. So yes, he took the he took the issue very seriously um, because as a committed um, anti-racist, I do think the accusations got to him, you know, and I think they knocked him. I think also the um, the actions of, of certain formerly trusted friends and comrades also knocked him as well. Um, and so you've got to bear that in mind as a human being and, and these, you know, the, yes. under intense pressure. Um, but he did get uh, a training session by members of Jewish Voice for Labour into Lotto, uh, which we all attended. And it was very good. It was really, honestly, it was, um, 
it was really good. And, and actually, um, the Ford report criticizes some of the JLM training for, for not, you know, giving enough time for reflection and discussion. Well, that, you know, that was part of this training that David, uh, David did. He also um, took us on a walk to Cable Street. Um, it was it was brilliant. It was a lot of history and context, and he was talking through the various different um, strands of Jewish opinion in in the UK as kind of a, a, a counteraction to this idea of the single monolithic Jewish point of view um, that's pro-Israel, you know, and all this and, and pro-empire. So I mean, that, that, there are things that he did quietly to push back. Whether or not he could have started a new party, he probably could, but I don't think any of the socialist campaign group would have followed him into it. So well, that's the problem. I mean, I don't just blame Jeremy. I blame the socialist campaign group. I mean, not just on this issue, but I constantly used to raise the fact at socialist campaign group meetings that we needed to be putting pressure on Jeremy, on John McDonnell as well, from the left. I kept mm. saying all the pressure is coming from the right. We have to create some pressure, create some space for them mm -hmm. to occupy new ground. Absolutely. It shouldn't just be cheerleaders. Not, they hadn't gone as far as they should have did, could have done in terms of a policy agenda. Uh, but as I say, I think the thing, you know, the ship floundered on, on the whole anti-Semitism uh, agenda, in my opinion, actually, and the, and the response to it. And, you know, given that it was such a tiny issue, I mean, it's all very interesting in Devin Rosenberg, and I'm not necessarily against that, but, you know, having training on stuff, you know, Let's have it as a political consciousness raising uh, session. Yeah, but I mean, again, that was pandering to the Zionist lobby. You know, well, I mean, and they're a bunch of racists, aren't they? Racist kind of uh, sort of settler colonial, bloody, you know, supremacist. And, uh, you know, we should be giving them no truck whatsoever. I mean, but, generally, uh, before yeah. it became that, it was very good about Zionism and so on and calling them out. Uh, you know, yeah, you should yeah, yeah. know that you could never appease these people. Nothing he could have yeah. done would, would have been good enough for them. Well, I agree with that. But on the subject of the training, just a point of clarification, um, members of the uh, certainly people high up in the um, compliance unit were invited to that training. So I made the point earlier that there was an issue with the compliance unit and their understanding of anti-Semitism. I do wonder whether or not that this was his because he's very gentle about these things. Yes, you can argue whether it's strong enough. This was his way of addressing that. <laughs> uh, flawed though it was um, and limited though it was. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, on, on the subject, actually, I want to correct you on, on, on the socialist campaign group, Chris, because I, I, I disagree. I think I, I, you know, I don't think they were cheerleaders. I, I think they were largely silent and in some circumstances, um, and I don't normally name names, but I'm, I'm fed up now. So I'm going to John McDonnell was actually cheerleading from the other direction and actually, not yeah, fair comment, fair comment. The they don't give them too much uh, credit, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair comment, to be fair, thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. And can yeah. I can I add something that um, I, I because I used to interview Jeremy a lot, I used to mm. interview you, Chris, a lot. Yes. And I've interviewed a lot of people, uh, MPs and staff and all sorts of people within the Labour Party. And I, I, I asked Jeremy, if what why he wasn't defending or at least explaining the situation about Chris Williamson and he said that I want to keep in position for as long as possible so that's evidencing what you just said Phil mm. that he he strongly yeah. believed that if he could get into position as prime minister then he could bring about some real 
change. Um, he wouldn't have been able to, Lizzie. Well, of course. We, I mean, that, we that was a fool's errand, that was, if ever there was we one. We know that. And, we know that I mean, now. But, but, then, but, you know, it wasn't just me making that point to Jeremy and the Socialist Campaign Group. And that's why I was so you know, passionate about the democracy reforms. Mm. I made the point to Jeremy and to the campaign group that unless we get these democracy reforms through, the open selection reform through, yeah. this, this, this shower, I won't swear, of, of excrement will, will, will actually sabotage the programme. Yeah. We yeah. won't be able to get it through. Well, you'll have I the would... keys to number 10, you'll be in office but not in power. But, yeah. but then, that would be then... far worse. I mean, then, look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work that out. Yeah. But then you have the political soothsayer. It's playing with common sense. <laughs> and, you know, what's the point of having a political position? What's the point of having a platform? What's the point of being the leader if you're just going to be taken hostage and you can't, you know, well, I want to stay in position for a bit longer? For what? Yeah. For what purpose? Yeah. Well, as I, I keep I, saying, and when I became an MP, that you have to use your plan. You need a council about matter. You have to use your platform to try and make a difference, to do what's right. And if all you're going to do is just draw your salary, you know, keep your head down and, and look, you know, look forward to a nice pension, then you know you're in the wrong. Well, it depends how you look at it, really. Yeah, but that is right. not what it should be about. No, it should be I, about giving leadership. It mm. should, but I just wanted to add the next bit that I interviewed another MP and I said. Uh, I said, why are you just parroting the JLM narrative? Um, mm. Why aren't you talking about Jewish Voice for Labour, JVL? And he said, well, because uh, JVL are not nice people. And he'd been told this. He's, he was an MP, sitting MP, and he'd been told this by JLM that they were representative of all Jewish people in the UK. So, so therefore... The other people who were nasty, JVL, were not to be listened to. Don't listen to them yeah. because they're lying to you. So I said, so you're saying that they're the wrong kind of Jew? And he said, yes. So I said, so why don't you actually just listen in private to what they have to say? And he went away and he listened in private to what JVL had to say. And he came back to me and he said... <laughs> Oh, my God, I can't believe what I've been believing all this time. And from that yeah. point on, he has been a coherent and current voice, voicing JVL as well. He might actually, uh, he hasn't been voicing what JLM said at all for, for at least a year. But before that, he started voicing JVL instead. And he's... It's, he's completely turned around, but that's just one MP. And yeah. it's a very clever, intelligent, articulate MP who who can see, who can see, who can think critically. So imagine all the other MPs who just believe that JLM is the voice of Jewish people well, in the UK. They're, and they're the voice of Zionism. Exactly, exactly. Um, that's what's so scary. I, I realised I forgot. I, I forgot to respond. You, Chris, you, you mentioned um, my anecdote of um, the, a member of the the complaints team regarding JVL as anti-Semitic. Um, yes, that's completely true. And I don't can't remember. I wouldn't name names anyway. But I can't remember who it was, but I, I, I do remember that this person was regarded as a left-wing member of the complaints team. And actually, that I don't think personally, I don't think that was an isolated um, 
point of no. view. I, I think it was fairly widely shared. Um, and, and bear in mind, you, the, the, this is the left, and these are the people who were implementing um, the decisions on um, disciplinary matters regarding anti-Semitism. And, and they, they regarded JVL as anti-Semitic. Yeah, oh my that God. Is, that is, that is it's incredible. another thing of the Westminster bubble, isn't it? When you're in the Westminster bubble, you believe what's happening in your immediate periphery. You don't, yeah. you can't, you can't think about things outside of it. And it's it was only when I said to this MP, uh, "Are you are you sure you're supporting the right Jewish movement here? Because in the JLM, you don't have to be Jewish. You don't even have to be in Labour." But yeah. the JVL, you have to be Jewish and you have to be in Labour. So yeah. are you sure you're not the one supporting the wrong kind of Jew? <laughs> well, somebody's been making their own narrative there, haven't they? And uh, recruiting people to, to that um, way of thinking. Okay, um, we're, we're at the top of the hour. No, we've not got time. It's three minutes <laughs> past eight. And oh, yeah. fair, we haven't got many questions. We, there's maybe one, um, but we've got loads and loads of comments. Um, this, I think this show has got people's backs up. Um, they're riled up. They're riled up against the Labour Party about what's happened um, and what will yeah, continue we, to happen. Um, so. So, yeah, everybody in the chat has left a comment. Thank you very much for commenting. I have been reading them as we go along and totally agree with all the sentiments that you're putting through tonight. Um, just a quick final last word, Chris, from you and Phil before we close. Well, let Phil go first. OK. Um, I think um, just to, I want to, again, I want to come on to something that Chris said about the democracy reforms. Um, my understanding is that the, the trade unions played a large part in, in torpedoing that. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the way I look at it, and this is from experience, I'm not um, a, an ideologue of any particular persuasion, but my experience within the Labour Party at all levels um, convinces me that it is not a viable, um, it's not a progressive party, um, it's not a viable um, organisation for progressive change. And, and the Labour left, um, such as it is, is deeply compromised and is never going to push forward uh, what we need in this country. So please, for the love of God, forget about the Labour Party, move on. It's, yeah, thanks. it's dead. Thanks, Hallelujah, here, here tonight. I mean, uh, that's all I'd say uh, just in relation to the uh, Ford report, which is the theme of tonight's programme, is that it has vindicated all of those people who called out the anti-Semitism smears, notwithstanding Ford's attempt to try and draw some false equivalents, but he has acknowledged, I think, that anti-Semitism was weaponized. And I think on that basis, many people, you know, not just me, but many, many grassroots members and other, you know, prominent members have, have suffered terribly, actually, uh, as a result of these smears. Um, their reputations trashed. People like Ken Livingston, who is He's struggling financially now as a result of this. And, you know, it's again, it's another illustration of the maximalist strategy yeah. of the Zionist lobby. It's not just a political strategy. They want to utterly crush people into the dirt. It's yeah. a sort of a Machiavellian approach, really, to, you know, utterly destroy your enemy in, in inverted commas. But, you know, I think people are catching on to what they're up to. Um, I now present a weekly program called Palestine Declassified, where we expose the Zionist lobby. 
the Labour Party has been subject to uh, state capture by the state of Israel. Um, no doubt in my mind about that. Around half the members of the Parliamentary Labour Party are members of the uh, Labour Friends of, of Israel. They regularly have all expenses paid trips to uh, Israel. Uh, they essentially have control over the policymaking facility of the party, the disciplinary uh, system in the uh, uh, Labour uh, Party, and have an ex-Israeli spy, 8200 spy, heading up their social media uh, um, uh, operation. What more evidence do people need uh, uh, about the, you know, the pernicious influence of, of, of a Zionist lobby? I mean, we had the Al Jazeera documentary, which kind of sort of less, laid it all out in 2017. Little to nothing was actually done about that. And and it's actually got considerably worse since then. And obviously, in somebody like Keir Starmer, who says he supports Zionism without qualification, you know, they have somebody who is, a, who's an absolute champion uh, for the, you know, the Zionist cause. And so I agree with Phil, absolutely. The Labour Party is a busted flush. It's gone and we need to move on and yeah. to, you know, try and build something different, build a movement, build an alternative political um, you know, representation to the Labour Party because we are not going to get anything that we all believe in, I think, in relation to, you know, fairness, justice, socialism, anti-imperialism. Uh, it's going to be just a continuation of a neoliberal status quo, uh, the continuation of, of the uh, imperialist uh, foreign policy that, that we've seen, you know, for the last hundred years or more. Yeah. So, yeah, we need I mean, I think the full report's given us now, something to, to build on. Uh, let's use the, you know, the good bits of it and, and move forward. And we need system change now. Um, we we need a complete system change. And um, can we have a hashtag to end on? It was a scam. <laughs> it was a scam. It was. We it knew really it was. all along. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget really, to buy really Chris's was. new book, 10 mm. Years Hard Labour. You can find it on Amazon and other places. Uh, if you have a look on his Twitter, it'll be on there. It's also on our Facebook. Um, you can find links to yeah. where you can Share buy it from. Share this show with everybody, all your mates, even people you don't know. Share it with There them. it is. <laughs> I've already bought mine. <laughs> Have you got it signed, though? We want it all signed. Yeah. No, I want it all signed. signed. I'll, I'm sure I'll see Chris at some point. And then You're going to have cramp, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, we're going to draw this show to an end. Thank you, everybody who's watched this evening. Thank you to our guest, Phil, to Chris, to Lizzie, to Mark Wadsworth, and we'll see you all next week. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. It was a spam.